Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. How are you guys doing today? I hope you guys are doing good. I hope we are surviving. I know Texas is like wide open. We're able to go anywhere now, Dan, which I'm so excited uh, about. Um, I can't be cooped up. Corona was rough. <laughs> Corona was really rough for me. <laughs> uh, I needed to be set free. So I'm, I'm really thankful for it. We are taking our precautions before you email me. We understand. We've got lots of hand sanitizer. We understand all of that. But it is nice to go out and to see people. Um, I want to get right to my guest. She has a book out that I think is um, really, really... Uh, I don't want to say funny, but the title is kind of funny. Um, but uh, she, her name is Felicia Masonheimer, and she's written a few books. Uh, she's also a podcaster and influential speaker. Um, but she's written this recent book that really caught my team's attention. It is called this, Stop Calling Me Beautiful. And I, when, when they told me about this book, I, um, I mean, I started laughing at first because I, I, I mean, I feel like that's our go-to these days. Oh, you look, you're so beautiful. You're so this, you're so that. Um, and so it really caught my attention and I wanted to have her on the show and I wanted to talk through this whole idea of, Hey guys, new concept. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little deeper than just calling me uh, beautiful and telling me you like my shirt and you like my nails and stuff like that. Uh, let me welcome Felicia to the show. Welcome, Felicia. I'm so glad you're on with us. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me, Autumn. So stop calling me. I won't, I won't call you beautiful, but you are very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm ruining marriages across the nation. No, I, when we came up with this title, my publisher and I, it actually originated in a blog post by a similar name. It was okay. called Dear Women's Ministry, Stop Telling Me I'm Beautiful, and really centered on this concept of going deeper in the messages that we're preaching to women. So no, you can tell your girlfriends that they're beautiful, but when we're on a stage, when we're bringing women into the church, if that's the only message that you're hearing and there's nothing deeper than you're a beautiful daughter of God, then we're actually cheating women of the full um, story of the gospel and what Christ does for us. I could not agree with you more. I can't amen this enough. There are so many facets of God um, they're so, oh my goodness, like even, even the most deepest, I mean, I'm thinking of all of these great theologians in my head, right? They haven't even scratched the surface of how deep God is. We will never, never know. Um, so I love this conversation that we need to have. We need to have this in our churches. We need to have this in women's ministries. Tell me about, I, I, I want you to talk about why you decided to actually put this in a book and um, what, what, 
what do speak to that woman out there that's like, oh, I like being called beautiful, um, but it does kind of get old. But let, let's speak to that woman today. Why did you write the book and what, what's sort of your heart behind transforming this idea uh, in the church? It's a great question and it's multifaceted, but I'd say the primary motivation for writing the book was because there was a lot of dissatisfaction with this message from women in the church. Sometimes they couldn't put their finger on why. Obviously, we are beautiful daughters of the King in Christ. Like that's an amazing part of the gospel. But how does that actually translate to how we live our lives? What does that look like when your marriage is struggling or when you lose your job? Like, yeah, I'm a beautiful daughter of the King. What does that do? And that's where a lot of women were dissatisfied with what they were hearing from their women's ministries because it centered on this, your beautiful message without any translation to real life. And so once you back up and say, okay, yeah, I am a beautiful daughter of the King, but how did I, how did I get that identity? What had to happen for me to be this way? You get this full picture of the gospel, our sin, our lack of beauty, quite frankly, Christ's sacrifice, and then the grace and the mercy that gave us this beautiful identity. And that's what transforms our daily lives. So is that what the book is about then? Um, what, what is really behind this? Uh, how, how do you go deeper, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So the book really lays that out in the first couple of chapters. Like this is where we're at as a culture. This is where we're at in the church. These are the messages being preached to women and we're ready to go deeper than that. But then the second half of the book explores different areas of our lives where the gospel meets us and changes us when we understand it completely. So areas like grief, anxiety, legalism, sexual addiction, all of these are areas that Christ transforms and speaks to. But a lot of Christians, women and men, are living into these areas of sin or addiction or weakness. And they're Christians, but being a Christian hasn't changed that at all. There's no power to it. And so really what this book is, is a basic walkthrough of how the gospel impacts your daily life and how that changes you and what Christ does when we follow him. So talk to me about you. When, when did you have this like aha moment that um, this whole concept of, and I think we all kind of know what you're getting at here. I mean, I don't know if a, a woman that doesn't attend church regularly hasn't heard this on a regular basis from somewhere. Um, so when did you have this aha moment that, hey, this is not working? I think it started with the books that I was getting sent to review because I'm a blogger and a podcast host. So I get books sent to review. I also just love to read and love to support other you know, women in ministry. And I was noticing that we were all reading the same book, essentially, over and over and over again. And nothing was really changing. And there's nothing wrong with buying Christian lifestyle books. I wrote one. I hope people will read it. But if we're only saying the same thing over and over and over again, and nothing's changing, that's not the gospel. That's the definition of insanity. You know, why are we writing the same books to the same problems and women are coming out the other side right where they were before, just feeling a little bit better about themselves? We've got to do better than that for these women so that they are actually able to walk in victory in these areas. That's crazy that you said that because we get pitched a lot of books, a lot. And there was a point where, um, you know, all well-meaning, 
but it's like, uh, we, we had to start making a, a, um, almost a checklist. Do they mention Jesus Christ in the book? Mm. Is the word of God in the book? Is because it doesn't it doesn't reach our mission if we're not we're about spiritually challenging the way people think so um, it's very interesting I think you're dead on here we we have a bunch of books about the same thing which are all good and and they there's a season for all of them in our lives but we must go deeper. What do you say to that woman out there that's like, um, I'm there. You used the word when you first came on the show, um, dissatisfied. I'm, 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 I I don't feel like I'm as deep as I want to go. I know I need to grow. I I know I need to learn more about how God can practically meet with my life. What do you say to that woman? Where does she start? Well, this is going to sound super Christian-y, but it's the truth. We start with the actual word of God. And though it it sounds trite, it's actually not acted out in many Christian lives. A lot of Christians don't read their Bibles. And it's not just because, you know, they don't like it or, you know, they're lazy. It's that they're intimidated and they're overwhelmed and they don't know where to start or nobody actually taught them. We actually have a lot of churches that don't teach how to study the Bible. It's kind of assumed that you would just know. And if you think about it, the Bible is ancient literature originally written in Hebrew and Greek, then translated to English. So if you're in an English literature class studying the Iliad, you're going to look at context. You're going to look at language. You're going to look at all of those things to help you understand what was meant by the author. And the same kind of thing applies to the Bible, only more so because it's the inspired word of God. So studying God's word is going to be hard, but that's your starting point is learning how and learning that it's there that we form our understanding of who God is and we begin our foundation. And then from there we learn, okay, how do I walk with God daily? How do I walk this out in community? Mm-hmm. Um, I love this. What about your, your, how did you start? Um, let's, I love personal stories on the show. We, we, I have everyone share a personal side. I think that's how we connect the best. Um, tell me about your experience. And when was the day when you were like, okay, all this fluffy stuff, like I'm done. I need, I need Jesus. Um, tell me about just your sort of relationship evolving with the Lord. Yeah. Well, there is a chapter in the book that talks about sexuality. And I'm very transparent in that chapter about my own story with sexual addiction. I grew up in a Christian home. I had wonderful Christian parents. I had every resource available to me to walk as a believer, but yet I had this struggle in my life. And it was that struggle that drove me to be dissatisfied with what people were telling me, Mm -hmm. telling me I was a beautiful daughter of God. But then here I was in secret struggling so much and feeling like nothing that was being taught to me answered the very real struggle in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I started searching for something else. Anyone who would tell me, how do I actually break free from this? How do I live a life without guilt? How do I live a life of victory? And I was drawn to those messages because of what I was personally dealing with. And I think we have a lot of women in that place, not just with sexual addiction, but with whatever they're struggling with. These messages about beauty and identity, they work and they're partially helpful for certain seasons, but they don't work very well in suffering or in struggle or in addiction. Yeah, what happens when you have a problem? 
Right. <laughs> then what do you do? Like, yeah, I know I'm beautiful. I know I'm a daughter of the King, but like n- now what do I do with my thoughts? What do I do with my actions? That's where, you know, the rubber meets the road. You know, it's so crazy. All the guests that I have on, I mean, we've, we've done over a thousand shows now and all the guests that I have on, it goes back to the word of God, prayer. It goes back to going deeper. It goes back always, of course, the gospel. It's like, we're all saying the same thing, people. This is exactly what you need, but it's packaged uh, very, very differently. Um, so, so okay, so what about, I, we have a lot of ministry leaders that listen, a lot of pastors, a lot of pastors' wives that listen, um, a lot of minist- women's ministry students and ministers. What about that? ministry leader that is evaluating their women's ministry and um they're thinking we say that a lot um or you know we we probably should go a little deeper because what you just said is real it is real i mean in our ministry we it's, it's like sexual addiction we get emails all the time like my husband ran away with my best friend or you know i've i'm having homosexual feelings or i've got my kid was just diagnosed with cancer you hear all of this stuff and it's like people need the truth they need help and really they need more messaging. Um, so, so tell me, just speak to that ministry leader that's out there right now. That's like, Oh man, she's hitting the nail on the head. How can they transform what they have and where should they start? I think a really good place to start is teaching exegetically as opposed to topically. Now, what I mean by that is actually teaching the word of God and teaching what was meant by that particular passage, not just going on the topics that are trendy or that even the women in your church think that they need, Mm -hmm. because sometimes we, we know what we want to hear, but it's not what we need to hear. And as the ministry leader, you may see a trend or a struggle in your church that your own people aren't aware of. And so if you return to the word of God and you highlight the word of God constantly to them and point them back there, it will become a pattern and an example that they can then follow. And I think that will be very important for transforming their view from, oh, you know, we're getting these messages from books that are quoting the Bible, but we never actually open the Bible itself. This is one of the reasons I don't agree with doing a book study and calling it a Bible study doing like a Christian lifestyle book and saying it's a Bible study. It's not a Bible study unless you're actually in the Bible. And that's, that's what we're lacking right now. And that's what we need to emphasize as women's ministers. We've gotten so far away from that. I mean, some churches are doing it well. I don't want to paint with a broad brush. I know a lot of churches that are, that are doing amazing, but we need, especially right now, um, you know, we're, we're recording on a Thursday and this will air next week, but with everything that we're, even the, let's take COVID-19, um, by, by itself. So, I mean, millions of people lost their jobs. Millions of women lost their jobs. Mi- millions of families, like, you know, the food banks are overwhelmed in Dallas with just the, which is where we're based, um, uh, with people that are, that need food. I mean, just, they, they don't, they don't have an income anymore. You know, they're, they're looking, thinking I'm watching the news. Am I going to die from this thing? You know, there is very real 
real fear. And my husband looked at me the other day, I'm a hypochondriac. Like, you know, in those commercials where it's like, if you have this, you've probably had a stroke and this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've had all these things. <laughs> so my husband laughs at me all the time, but he looked at me and was like, I'm so proud of you. You've been really steady during this time. And you know why? It's because I was very intentional on claiming the truth of God's word every single morning. Talk to that person that's listening. That's like, you know, we've had the George Floyd murder last week and the world is in an uproar and there were riots in Dallas a couple uh, for several days. And, um, you know, the world just seems in an uproar. And here we have this messaging of you're beautiful, you're wonderful, I like your shirt, you know, this, that, and the other. Um, can you encourage the heart of the person that desperately needs needs to hear some truth? You know, this is something that hits close to home because we're my family and we're personally going through a lot on top of COVID, on top of the, the racial um, reconciliation and um, the riots and everything that's going on in the nation. And what I have been returning to um, my own morning Bible study mm-hmm. is who who is God? What is the nature of God? What can I trust about God right now? Um, Hebrews 1.3 says, he is the radiance of his glory, the exact expression of his nature, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. And what I'd encourage people is, I would encourage you to focus on a character trait of God, his unchangeability, his sovereignty, his kindness, his mercy, these things that are, are inherent to who he is. And Pray that, rehearse that throughout the day to yourself and back to him. Thank you, God, that you are sovereign, even though I feel like everything is unstable right now. Thank you that you are merciful and that you care about the death and the the loss of jobs that's going on right now. That is a way of connecting with him that also encourages our hearts, puts courage into our hearts because we know he hasn't forgotten us. And it's a daily, even hourly practice, something I have to do right now, um, but that I think we all have to do in this season. I love that you highlighted that verse. I feel like when we go through those dark, just just darkness, when we go through, uh, you know, the valleys, it's almost like the Lord illuminates a passage Uh, at least in mine, we just went through one just like you pre-corona where it's like, I didn't even know the world was going to be shut down. We got some awful horror, like life-changing bad news. And then the world shut down. And it's like, we haven't even, we're we're just starting to come out of it. But I would lay at wake at night at like three o'clock in the morning going, Lord, I know you're my deliverer. I know you're my deliverer. I know you're going to deliver me. And I went to those passages where he talked about his deliverance. And that, that is what sustains your soul when Mm -hmm. your outlook seems like it's crumbling. I love that you went back to that verse in Hebrews. It's so powerful. You talk about in your book, um, you've, you've, you talk about a lot of personal experience, a lot of personal experience. What's some wisdom? Um, how do you live? And well, let me put it this way. I think a lot of us are scared to share about the sexual addictions that maybe we've had or the things that we've gone through. Or how do you show up to a women's ministry that's, and say, I'm cheating on my husband. 
Mm-hmm. How, how do you even begin? Because I feel like there's just this, uh, uh, we've talked about it 10 years ago, this plasticness um, in the church culture. But uh, what about the woman who knows that she's not authentic? Mm-hmm. How does she start living authentically and sort of breaking out of some of that? Um, you're so beautiful, that kind of mold. You know, this is not going to be an easy answer. Um, and I know it because I've had to live it many times in many different churches because my husband and I have moved many times, but vulnerability begets vulnerability. If you are the one who will say, look, I'm struggling. I need help. I need the Lord in this. And I need you to pray for me. You will find there are so many other women who will open up and say, oh my goodness, me too. And let's all pray together. Let's get together. Now, I'm not saying you need to stand on stage in front of the whole church and do something like that. But in if you are in a women's ministry that has small groups, tell your small group. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, I've been in churches where that wasn't as well received as in other churches. Don't get discouraged. I went and found another group of women and said, I'm struggling. I need help until I found a group of godly women or one godly woman who would help me move forward with that. It's hard, but transparency, spiritual transparency kills shame. Mm. Until you're open about what you're struggling with, it will have a hold on you. I love that's so good and so true. It's I've never met someone that I'm like, "Listen, I'm struggling. I need you to pray for me." And they're they're not immediately touched and moved. I'm like, "Oh man, I can't believe you've been through that. I've been through this. And you know, it, it, there is, um, almost a bonding experience that takes place when you do that. What a great answer. What else would you like to share about this book? What was your favorite part of, of this book? Oh man. You know, I think probably the chapter that I, I would say it was a hard one to write, but the one that was so needed, I felt was the most needed was the chapter on legalism, because mm-hmm. I think we have a lot of women coming out of abusive church environments, spiritually abusive churches, or churches that have manipulated God's word to mean things that it didn't, adding on to scripture. And for them, approaching God is difficult because they've only known a God of rules. Mm -hmm. They've only known a God who could be approached a certain way Mm -hmm. with certain clothes or certain music or whatever the case may be. And for them, just knowing God personally as a loving father is a whole paradigm shift and requires removing all of this legalistic baggage in order to truly feel like they are a daughter of the king and be comfortable in that. And the gospel speaks to that too and dismantles that legalism and everything that we add onto it. And so that chapter, um, I think is one of my passion points because I know so many women across America, especially in our different denominations, struggle with their view of God based on their experience in the church. Man, I, that's, that's amazing. I, do, I wrote a book a couple of years ago called I Am Rahab, all about Rahab, the biblical harlot. And it was awesome. It was exegetical, um, but it was awesome. And, and one of the things I said in there is that when I actually met the spirit of God, he was nothing like my church said he was. And mm. I think I, it was like an aha moment here. I'm waiting. I didn't, I, I, my dad was a pastor, but I didn't get saved until I was about 21 years old. And I remember going, Oh, this, this is God. 
He's not yeah. like out to get me or kill me or like, this is God, compassionate, loving, full of grace. I can get behind this guy. And of course, look at me. I've given my whole life. And I love that because you encountered his grace and it led you to stand on the truth. And that's the thing that we're seeing today is we see one or the other. You see this hard, mean truth, or you see um, only grace and only love. And I think, you know, your story you just shared is a perfect example of how grace led you to stand on the truth. We're grace and truth together. That's what the gospel is. It's the truth about grace and the gracious truth. And it's that that's what changes lives. Truth is the truth is gracious. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Um, okay. What, what do you hope that everyone gets out of this book? I would hope that it would inspire them to truly draw closer to the Lord. I know it's like super simple, but I hope they, you know, forget about me in the process as the author and just think, I want to know God on a deeper level. I, I am dissatisfied with how it's been so far. I'm ready to dig into the word. I'm ready to go deeper with him. I'm ready to have my life changed by Jesus. Perfect answer. Awesome. My guest today, her name is Felicia Masonheimer. The book is called Stop Calling Me Beautiful. This one's been out since February 18th. So you can go and pick it up. And I encourage you to do that. Um, Stop Calling Me Beautiful. And the tagline is finding a deeper spirituality in a shallow world. I love it. Felicia, thank you so much for being on my show today. I really appreciate it. I love the concept. I'm all behind you. I'm cheering you on over here. Thank you, Autumn. Uh, and thank you guys for listening. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on the Autumn Miles Show. The Autumn Miles Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.